Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
Hello, 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 testing, 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 testing. Hello? Hello? We think we're up? Huh? Can somebody hear me now? I still, I, 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 I don't have uh, confirmation from my listeners. Um, if you can hear me, and this is probably just the slow, if, if they can hear me, it, this is how long it takes to get an email in. Um, testing, 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 testing. It is back? Okay, guys, can you hear me? Uh, no. <laughs> Somebody just wrote, finally I'm getting video but no audio. God, please, somebody tell me you're hearing this. Please, you're hearing this, huh? Huh? We feel like it's up and running. Uh, no, I am getting no confirmation here. You have it on your phone. Well, why isn't anybody telling me they have it? Milton? Audio up. Okay. It's it's up. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, F. Okay. Um, okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, one and all. Appreciate it. It's just a half hour late. What's the fuss about? Okay, thank you. Jeez. Okay. So... Everybody is now saying yes, got sound, got sound, got sound. Okay, thank you. God almighty, guys, you know, supposedly we were, it doesn't matter. I won't, I won't air our dirty laundry in public. Okay. I just wanted to say that um, I'm feeling hopeful. <laughs> er, that's not a word. I'm feeling hopefuler just by virtue of the fact that what somebody suggested the other day is that if you impeach him, he'll freak. And he's freaking. And here's what's good about that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of bad things about it because, you know, he's, he's nuts. And he's powerful. And he's dangerous. And he has gotten rid of all the people around him who may have had the guts to every once in a while say, uh, excuse me, but that's illegal. They're all gone now. Um, so he really is, um, as someone, someone I read today said, we have a ship of state uh, with a madman at the helm. Uh, and this is not good. The only good thing is we're seeing how this is affecting him. Uh, just to quote Fra Frank Bruni, uh, well, I'm not going to quote him. But the fact is he's acting so crazy now that even people who could tolerate the crazy or make excuses for the crazy are going to get to the point where I just think he's going to start seeing his support hemorrhaging. I don't like to you know, get too into these polls that show uh, that support for impeachment is growing. 
um, among independents now. And in fact, a poll showing that now there are more Americans who favor this impeachment than do not, and that's a first. All of that's good. He's seeing this too, and it's making him even crazier. Yes, that makes him, I guess, more dangerous, but it also might result, and maybe here I'm being naive, might result in more Republicans finding the courage to uh, separate themselves from him. Um, the Democrats need to keep their noses to the grindstone and be sober as hell about this, which is why I got so angry at that uh, Rashida Tlaib and her, you know, selling T-shirts of fuck them, get the motherfucker, impeach him. That, that is not helpful. The Democrats need to show America that there are still adults in the room. And we have to show a measure of now careful decorum. Tom Friedman says this, and I don't disagree with a word of it. He says, the Democrats now, have to be so disciplined in how they prosecute this case. They need to have a single spokesman, Representative Adam Schiff, definitely up for the job, and everyone else needs to keep quiet. Hear that, Tlaib? They need to have... Oh God, let, let them hear this. They need to have professional prosecutors, not congresspeople, question witnesses. They need to do this like a judicial inquiry and get staff prosecutors to handle the witnesses, not congresspeople who cannot help themselves because they go off on you know, bloviating and self-important, look-at-me-look-at-me rants, right? Please, Adam Schiff, hear this. They need to keep the focus on the non-political witnesses. And they need to have their presidential candidates steer clear of this impeachment story and simply concentrate on their ideas for reviving and reuniting America. Democrats should pursue impeachment in the House as if there was not an election in 2020 and they should pursue the 2020 election as if there were no impeachment in the House. This is absolutely correct. It's that level of discipline that is required. And he just adds, and if and they should do it by letting the non-political whistleblower and the other civil servants take the lead. These humble patriots started this. 
and it will go only as far as their credibility sustains it. And it's their credibility that will influence the swing voters. The voters, the suburban women, the Republicans who really cannot stomach much more of this. It is those previously faceless civil servants, whistleblowers, who are going to save the country, not the POWs. Unless the POWs are, in this case, just so extraordinarily disciplined. This afternoon, a lot of stuff's going to happen. We have the um, the State Department's IG investigator, Inspector General. <laughs> who came out of nowhere yesterday afternoon uh, writing a letter to, um, I guess, a whole ton of the major uh, heads of, um, of committees in the House, uh, intelligence, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, and I don't have this anymore, but... The IG from the State Department suggested that he needed a meeting now, and that'll be this afternoon. He needed a meeting, quote, to discuss and provide staff with copies of documents related to the State Department and Ukraine. Now, this is a person in the State Department who operates outside of Pompeo. He is a, these IGs, if they're doing their job, are, uh, are neutral parties who are there simply to make sure that everything is operating as it should. This guy clearly has something that he wants documents of some sort that he wants the House Democratic Leaders Committee leadership to see. This could be big. Don't know. But it's people like this doing their jobs that are going to save us if we are going to be saved. There's little cracks showing. Senator Grassley, the gruff old Republican jerk, um, who's who's powerful man. I think he's the longest serving Republican senator or something. He flat out pushed back on Trump yesterday, saying that the whistleblower needs to be heard. He said no one should be making judgmental or pronouncements without hearing from the whistleblower and then carefully following up the facts. That is a rock-ribbed conservative establishment Republican senator. 
little hints that there could be reason for hope. I don't want to overstate it, but I, I think the uh, obvious sign of uh, Trump coming unglued the and um, and the careful plodding uh, democratic by the book just the facts ma'am kind of approach to the impeachment can save the day um, all of this when uh, the Washington Post published a I thought a really chilling story, uh, which was headlined a presidency of one. And in it, they elucidate what has happened, what Trump has done to the government. He, at, if you'll recall, he started very unsure of himself. And he surrounded himself with the generals and other people who knew how things worked. He actually kind of listened to them because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. He still doesn't, but now he thinks he does. And little by little, of course, he couldn't bear anybody telling him anything. So, in the ensuing three, two and a half years, he has rid himself of anyone who dared cross him. Everybody left in that White House does his bidding, except the ones who he doesn't know about. And that would be like the whistleblower somebody that he didn't put in the White House. But the article suggests that what he has done is he has taken two of the most important cabinet positions, the leading law enforcement position, the Attorney General, the Justice Department of the United States. And he now has a man in charge of the Justice Department, Bill Barr, who is taking that department and his own person and doing nothing that an attorney general is supposed to do. He's simply prioritizing anything that this crazed president wants him to do. So he's flying over to Italy, and he's flying here, and he's talking to Australia, and, and the president sees him as no interchangeable from Rudy Giuliani. They're both his lawyers. And we now have an attorney general who has totally acquiesced to this role. Acquiescing to the, uh, the crazed theories that have been totally refuted, uh, that Trump is got, has got in his head, 
trying to pin this on anybody but Russia, trying to pin it on George Soros, trying to pin it on Hillary Clinton. You've got the State Department now with Pompeo absolutely doing anything this president wants him to do. You have the State Department now, as we mentioned yesterday, spending energy, time, staff, harassing over 130 current and former department officials about messages they may have exchanged with Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. You have Pompeo now caught in a lie. He was on the call. He admits it. He is trying to keep it. He refuses to testify. This is what happens in banana republics. This is what happens in autocracies. And here is what this article by uh, Robert Costa says. This illustrates the sweeping reach of Trump's power and the culture he has spawned inside our government. The president's personal concerns are now the priorities. Donald Trump, not the nation, Donald Trump's personal concerns are now the priorities of the Justice Department, of the State Department. This is a trashing of the oaths that all of these men took. That they were there to serve the interests of we, the people, and the government of the United States, not of Donald Trump. And now you see our Attorney General Bill Barr, our Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, and all their energy, think of all the stuff they should be doing, all their energy is going into protecting and using their powers to ameliorate the lunatic they serve. They are engaging his obsessions. The former director of the Richard Nixon Presidential Library said this, Barr and Pompeo are in the fog machine. They are captives of the president's perverse worldview. Authoritarian regimes have this problem all the time. When all government activity is the product of the id of the leader. Think of that. Our government and its most powerful agencies are jumping to serve the id of a madman and increasingly a cornered madman. This does not happen in a functioning republic. Here is somebody else who refused to be named. 
I'm not sure there are many, if any, left. These are talking about people in the White House who who view their responsibility as trying to help educate, moderate, enlighten, or persuade him. Or for that matter, even advise him. There is now a new ethos. This is a presidency of one. That's a dictator. It's Trump unleashed, unchained, unhinged. He'll continue to go further and further and further, and now there's nobody there telling him, stop. This is a, you're a Yale history professor, this is a fundamental reorientation of American democracy. And it is America's turn toward authoritarianism. This is how important this is. We can't sit here and let this happen. But we got to be smart. Timothy Snyder, Yale history professor, author of books on tyranny, writes, Rather than having the boring system we take for granted where you have laws based on facts. Instead, now, you have a personality who makes up his own reality. And then think, you have people like the Secretary of State, the Attorney General, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, the entire Republican congressional delegation supporting him. After a while, the leader starts to draw people into his reality. The people around him are made to defend it, made to prove it. And this is why Barr and Pompeo are running all over kingdom come to do that. The implicit day-to-day charge for many Trump advisors is simple. Figure out how to handle or even polish his whims and his statements, but do not have any illusion that you can temper him. That you can temper his personality, his consumption of cable news, or his thirst for combat. Acquiescence is central to survival. So that's what we have here. You are looking at this once great nation be turned into a dictatorship. And you see how quickly men that were thought to be Honorable public servants acquiesce. You've seen an entire party acquiesce. It's 
breathtaking. New reporting out, uh, you know, about how unhinged this jerk is. You know, there's uh, there was a, a book coming out, and it does have reporting from uh, meetings in which, and I'm sure you've heard this because it's all over the news today about how Trump went nuts one day, and this is when Kirsten Nielsen was still uh, head of uh, Homeland Security, and he said he wanted the wall completed immediately, and he wanted. Sp- Spikes on the top that can pierce human flesh. And he wanted a moat, a trench with snakes in it and alligators. And he wanted, he wanted us to shoot any, any refugees starting trying to come in. Shoot him in the legs, slow him down, said our president. It was just a matter of days before Nielsen was out. Because she, I guess, he gave everybody until noon the next day to get all this done. He's insane, okay? He's insane. They slowed him down. They said, give us a week. Give us a week. Uh, We got to get some sense of uh, who do we call to get this done? What is the cost? And, of course, that begs questions like, who did Homeland Security call to get an estimate on a a snake and alligator-filled torture moat? Who does that kind of work? Probably Halliburton. This is our country. Whistleblowers, God bless them. Here's another one coming out of the woodwork. This has to do with those two fatal, uh, horrible uh, Boeing crashes of 737 MAX. Uh, uh, And this this will show a a level of corruption in our government as well, uh, where uh, Boeing was left to decide whether its uh, planes were safe. The FAA said, you go ahead and figure it out. That's okay, we'll take your word for it. Well, we got a whistleblower at Boeing, a senior Boeing engineer, turns out, filed an internal complaint this year saying that during the development of that plane, it had been brought to the company's attention that it really needed a safety system the very system that would have prevented these two crashes. And the whistleblower says the reason the system was not put in the plane was to minimize cost. Many current and former Boeing employees have privately Uh, suggested the same, that Boeing was prioritizing profit over its passengers' lives. The engineer in this case, whose name is Curtis Eubank, 
went a step further lodging this formal complaint, which is a very gutsy, you know, it ends these people's careers. These are people who fall on the grenade. These are heroes. He lodges a formal complaint against his bosses, against the chief executive for publicly misrepresenting how safe their plane was. Anyway, that is uh, the, the, I guess his complaint is finally coming out in a more public fashion. And that's good. Also good, I've got some other good news uh, here for you. Uh, good news. Uh, in Israel, the, uh, I want to get his title right. The uh, Minister of Justice, the Attorney General, no, it's the Attorney General of Israel, is actually doing his job, which is not to protect Benjamin Netanyahu. And so while Netanyahu is still desperately trying to stay in power and cobble together some kind of a, a government, the Israeli government is still functioning. A pre-indictment hearing, indictment of Benjamin Netanyahu, was convened at the Ministry of Justice yesterday morning, and that shows that the Attorney General of Israel is going ahead pursuing charges of corruption against Bibi Netanyahu. A political commentator in Israel says the very fact that this hearing is held is a watershed event. I think this will finally spell the beginning of his, Netanyahu's, departure. Not surprisingly, Netanyahu has called all of this, what? A witch hunt. You wonder why these two guys are such pals? In February, the Attorney General of Israel said he was going to indict Netanyahu. But first, these hearings have to take place, and they've started. The charges are fraud, bribery, and breach of trust with the Israeli people. So, there's that. Also, there is the, um, not telling you anything you don't know, the conviction of that Dallas cop who shot a young, unarmed black man who was watching television in his own apartment. I was so fearful, so fearful, when I heard the jury was out yesterday because I thought if they don't convict this cop for this, 
walking into, he didn't have his door locked, poor dear, walking into his apartment and shooting him dead. She's drunk. She thinks it's her apartment, even though it did. I mean, there was no, all of the evidence showed murder, murder, murder. And yet, the jury was given the chance to find her guilty of manslaughter. And I thought for sure, this is a cop. It's a black man. We know how this goes. And a Dallas jury convicted her of murder. Now, Dallas, that wouldn't have happened here, I bet, in Pittsburgh. I bet it wouldn't. You know, white people in Dallas are a minority? Mm-hmm. That helped. A lot of the major office holders in Dallas are African American, including the woman judge of this trial. The jury had a representative uh, representa- rep- representative representation. Yeah, the um, of the demographics of Dallas. There were black people on the jury, Hispanic people on the jury, and uh, whites were, um, I think, only five white people. Exactly showing what the demographics of Dallas are. When there is fair representation, I guess you can get justice. It was heartening. Uh, what else we got here? Um, normally on Wednesdays, Ryan Dito joins us, but he's um, he is decamped to Canada for some reason. <laughs> Ryan, come back! It's looking more hopeful. Just saying. Uh, there's this, which I find so odd. This was something that City Paper, uh, Pittsburgh City Paper, broke this story. In fact, Ryan Dito, <laughs> who's supposed to be here right now, um, turns out it's at Duquesne University. I just want to flag this in case you didn't learn of this. There is a Department of uh, Women and Gender Studies at Duquesne, and last year they held a a gender-neutral fashion show. And uh, they showed a what looks to be a guy wearing a dress and uh, knee-high boots uh, walking down a a runway. And uh, it was the... Turns out the Duquesne Duke newspaper, university newspaper, said it was the best attended um, women and gender studies event ever. So they thought, let's do it again this year. It had really worked. So that's what they were going to do. And then... What happened? 
Duquesne said that the marketing for the show, in other words, posters like a guy wearing a dress, uh, could not be used because it was uh, these were uh, unnecessarily offensive to um, other people. Now, what's weird is the group that put this on did not hear any complaints last year after the fashion show about its posters, about the show. And all of a sudden this year, you got Duquesne officials saying that they are only upholding the university's Catholic standards. Here is a, a university statement. No matter what group seeks to use university resources for programming, Duquesne has consistently required that it show respect for the Catholic religious identity of this institution. So I just want to say they can do the, they can have the fashion show, they just can't promote it. I guess that's what it is. What? Uh, well, the headline, the headline in the city paper was Duquesne University says gender neutral fashion show cannot use gender neutral promotional language. So that's it. God, when push comes to shove, I'll tell you, Duquesne is almost always a disappointment. I, um, I am so out of it that I don't, didn't know there were things called promposals. Amy, have you ever heard of that term? Prom you have. Has that been on for going on for a long time? Promposals? Okay. Um, I saw on TV the other day a promposal uh, that involved two uh, Down syndrome, uh, young people with Down syndrome, and, uh, you know, he made a you know, a sign up in a, and it was in a very public place during a, um, some kind of a athletic event and everybody, you know, oh, but that's, I didn't know there was such a thing. What, here's my, this is, has nothing to do with anything of real import. It has to do with my growing squeamishness and annoyance at what used to be intimate and or simply private occurrences between two people becoming instead public displays. I am so sick of it. I I could no more do, I could not be married today as a young person um, and do what seems to be required, which is this public avowal 
of my love for my intended and his for me. I have been to weddings where I cringe in my seat. Listening to two people in love profess their love to each other in front of all of us. And I'm thinking, I really don't, I, this, I'm very nice. That's very nice. But could you, seriously, I don't need to hear this. When did proposals become shows? I mean, performance pieces. And clearly now, asking someone to the prom? Let's say you want to ask someone to the prom. You couldn't just call her and say, call her, what's silly. Um, Yeah, put the record player on and then call her. You couldn't say or text her or something. Go up to her in person and say, hey, would you go to the prom with me? Because that's the way we used to do it. Well, you want to go to the prom with me? No, now... If you don't do something clever or spend some money doing it, hire, you know, dancing girls and uh, costume yourself, and then I guess, well, you're going to be found wanting. What does this do to people whose nature is more private, like mine? Seriously, I, I could no more live as a young person in the culture we have now. I I could not. I I so hate all of this. And then there's this one upsmanship that obviously has to go on. Did you see so and so's promposal? Did you see so-and-so's wedding? Did you hear those vows? And, I, and then I was thinking, you know what? Now when you're at a wedding and you've managed to sit through these very sort of intimate professions of love for uh, one another, uh, if you don't say to the bride or the groom later, geez, I really found your vows so... I mean, are you... It puts the the people who are in attendance in a position of having to, I just hate it. I can't be the only person like this. When did everybody decide that their personal love life, personal business had to be shared. It's not personal then, it's public. Are we going to pretty soon have to see consummations um, as well? And little Tony, yeah. Have you been at a baseball game or a football game where all of a sudden on the jumbotron somebody's proposing? I saw once the most cringe, 
I saw a guy in a situation where he had produced some kind of a performance thing, gets down on his knees in front of this woman and pours his heart out to her. And she says no. Now I have to tell you, my heart was broken. It broke for him and it broke for her. I wonder if a lot of people stuck in that situation who wanted to say no were so overwhelmed by the fact that they were in a public setting that they actually say yes when they would have said no if it were in private? I mean, the woman who said no to him knew she was breaking his heart and humiliating him at the same time, which shouldn't have had to happen. What is this crap? Excuse me. I really, really hate it. No one has any clue what private is anymore. None, obviously. And I, I mean, as an old lady in this culture, I find it repellent. I do. I really do. So if I were a young person in this culture, I would never have a wedding. I would elope. I would just head off to that. I would never subject myself to that kind of public display, a performance. It really upsets me. And again, it says something about our culture. So corrupted that everything is entertainment. Everything has to be a show. Everything has to be bigger and better than you know whose. Just has to. You have to. You aren't going to. Well, his proposal was not as good a proposal as so and so's. Whoever even knew what someone's proposal was? It might seem like nothing. But to me, it's just another part of the total dissolution of this country. All right, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be that big a thing about it, but to me. And I know I'm not alone. Uh... What? Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign events have been canceled until further notice. He was found to have a blockage in one artery and two stents have been inserted. The operation came after Sanders felt some chest discomfort at a campaign campaign event yesterday. Well, that's big news. It will bring up, again, the subject of age in um, for the Democratic primary voters. I wish the senator a speedy recovery, 
but mm -mm. thank you Barbara for sending that um, Roger writes I'm about to sneeze that's not what Roger writes I said Oh, God, I never have sneezed on the air. I've never sneezed on the air! Oh, I think I did once. Wait a minute. All right. Roger writes, Moving towards Halloween, Trump and company are steering us to our most frightening time since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Hopefully we'll work past this and can have lots of fun for April Fool's Day. Not sure what I am more frightened of, the jerk with access to the nuclear weapons or the people who still support him who are now being egged on to start a civil war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, here's what I think about that 35, 30, 35, 39, maybe at most percent. They've always been with us. They've always been there. That was the Ku Klux Klan back in the day and all those who supported them. That was the know-nothing party in another century. That was the John Birchers and the McCarthyites. That was, there is, uh, now we know, it looks like about a third or a little bit more than a third of the country that really does not, they don't realize this, they do not like democracy. They do like authoritarianism. They want a big daddy. They want a scary big daddy. And that's just sort of like a personality thing. I don't know. We've also, of course, come to know that the you know the 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 racism that runs through our bone and blood in this country has uh, scarred so many people and made them vulnerable to the siren call of Trump and others. So I think those 30, those people, his base, who are not enough to give him a second term, uh, and the Russians would have to work seriously overtime. There's just not enough of them. We have as impediments the electoral college <laughs> and just the need to get the vote out and secure the vote. We need to continue to fight voter suppression and all the things Republicans have used over the years, mastered really, to deprive us of our de democracy. Barbara also sends me this. Um, this has to do with the polling. 24% of Americans say there is almost nothing Trump could do that would cause me to support impeaching him or removing him from office. 
Well, those are that's there. So that's a quarter. That's better than a third. I think it's a third of people. The survey, um, yeah. So that's my guess. So there we have it. I got one more that Barbara sent me. <laughs> oh, Franklin Graham, as loathsome a character as crawled out from under any rock. Um, while I was in with my family in Ann Arbor the other day, I, I was saying loathsome and this and that, and my brother's daughter used a word that I haven't used. You know, I feel like loathsome, I've used so much vile, and she gave me a new one that I haven't used, so i got to remember to use it, odious. Odious, she said. So the odious Christian <laughs> leader, Franklin Graham, is amplifying Trump's Civil War tweet. wonderful. Graham is suggesting that if Trump is impeached or if Democrats institute an assault weapons buyback program, Christians will have no choice but to launch a civil war. You know, your head can explode. Your head can explode. Christians will kill if there's a voluntary buyback program Graham implored, pray that God would change the hearts of democratic leaders in Washington and that they would see the dangerous road we're on. Can't make it up. Okay, guys, that's it for me. I really can't remember when we started, but that's about an hour, isn't it? Well, it's about 50 minutes. What is it? It's long enough, okay? I got people to see and places to go, and you know what? My parking ran out. Oh, geez. I this is going to cost me. This is gonna, I'm going to get a ticket because of that damn computer. Okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have faith. Keep the faith. Keep hope alive. Be sober as judges. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>